Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. And now, here's your host, Claire Kumar, NAPO member since 2010. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NAPO's Podcast Standout, the place where you can better your organizing and productivity business. So I'm Claire Kumar, happy to be your host again, and I'm really excited this week to be talking about technology. And technology, I don't know about you, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship to it. When it's working, I'm thrilled and grateful, and it really boosts what I'm able to get done in a day. And when it's not working for me, it causes me a little bit of stress. And one thing in particular, which I'm looking forward to talking about is when there's something new that I have to learn or something changes, I get into a bit of tech overwhelm. Well, I'm excited to have a NAPO member with us a long time. I've known Kim Oser, and I've known her for just her knowledge and deep comfort with technology, which is always inspiring. She's brought to many conferences that I attended, wonderful talks about technology. And I thought, you know what? I want to talk to Kim about this particular challenge and more. So I want to tell you a little bit about Kim now. Since an early age, Kim was interested in technology and was always asking why things work the way they did. Little did anyone who was recipient of her constant questions know that one day Kim would make a career of creating and understanding efficiency, systems, and process management. Kim considers herself a tech extrovert. I love that. A tech extrovert, as she is always trying to find tech-friendly ways to solve problems. As much as she loves technology, Kim believes that if used properly, technology can help us create more time for offline interpersonal relationships. Hail Mary, that that is fantastic. Kim is the owner of Need Another You, a Washington, D.C.-based and virtual congratulations, organizing and productivity company. Welcome to you, Kim. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. I use the term tech extrovert because it's a lot more flattering than geek. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can geek out, extrovert out, whatever, whatever you want here. This is, I'm so excited to have you because over this year, I found myself teaching myself how to edit video, for example. This week, I decided to create an online course, well, actually a couple of weeks ago, and I'm making workbooks. And I'm like, oh, wait, I could use PowerPoint. I could use Word. I could, I don't have the Adobe suite. Oh, wait, I can do it in Canva. Let me learn that environment. So there's, there's always another opportunity. There's social media tech as well, Clubhouse being a big new one on the scene. I found myself getting a little overwhelmed. Like I heard about Clubhouse and I was I was absolutely sort of shut down and said, I don't want another thing to think about. So I'm wondering if you, as someone who's very comfortable with technology, how can someone who's less comfortable view it? Very good question. So yes, as we've been stuck at home, many of us for the past year or more time at home, and more of our communications have been through the screen we've kind of been forced to deal with technology, even if we didn't really like to before. So there's a couple components of it. You know, like you mentioned all these new skills that you're learning. You can 
depending on your personality and your comfort letter, you can embrace it and say, you know what, this is a new challenge for me and I want to learn and I have the time to learn. And I'm not afraid that I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but I can fix them. However, if you are not a technology person and you are very uncomfortable with it, the good thing is, is that you can hire people to help you with those things. And, you know, one of the references I use is if you had a problem in your mouth and you needed a filling, you wouldn't be like, well, let me just try to dig this out myself and fill this myself. You would go to someone who is specialist in doing that. And that's, you know, one way that you have to be not afraid. And, you know, I did mention to you, like, if you have the time and the interest, your time is money, especially, you know, like professionals in our field, your time is money. And when you are learning a new skill, you are not billing. So you have to figure out how badly do I want to learn this? And is my time that I'm going to invest in learning it worth the dollars that I would lose by spending time learning versus the dollars I would spend on hiring somebody who already has that knowledge? Love it. And so I can see absolutely for the video editing that I was doing, and I kept it simple, then I realized there's a whole another level to editing. Hello, audio producer. Hello, video producer, right? That are doing things to this tape once they get it, for example, and cleaning it up. And there's also another level that you can go to that you might not even be able to go to without some of the tools that professionals have. So I love that. Now, with respect to the workbook that I just created, here's another wrinkle. I realized I was creating and designing at the same time. So I realized if I wanted to actually hire someone to do it, I would have to change the process, my creation process, and have to be more solid, more thought through, and be able to pass them something in the condition they could work with it, which meant oh, wait a minute, I need to look at how I'm working. So it's interesting, right? Because there's the technology itself and then there's the whole workflow that you've sort of found yourself in and then where do you want to go? Well, to your point exactly with that, when I first started my business and I got a website, I hired a web designer and I was paying a couple hundred dollars a month for this web designer. And I was like, he's not doing anything. What am I spending the money on? He's not doing anything. And then I realized, what am I expecting him to do? I haven't provided him my content. So I still had to do that piece to provide him the content so that he could then make it look the way I wanted it to look and to come across the screen the way I wanted it to come across the screen. But, you know, it's like you just like you said, you have to break that down and say, what part do I want to take on? Because obviously you want your own content. That's your point. You've developed this content. You've got great content you want to share, but you want to share it in a way that's easily absorbed for the recipient. 100%. Yeah. So that's where, you know, if you've got the content, you need to have some control to say, I'm going to work on the content and I'm going to hire this other person to do this piece. The same way we work with workflows and systems with our clients, we have to do that for ourselves. And it's often a lot harder for ourselves than it is when we're suggesting it to a client. True enough. And it's interesting if we're also thinking about the client experience I don't know, but sometimes I've hired people who aren't thinking about it in the same way I am. And so my sort of expectations around what a client is going to feel being highly sensitive and really thinking through that, sometimes I can't 
there's my cat. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes there's a trade-off always with the communication that you need to put in place. So what can you do in the short term to set that up? How can you share all your brand guidelines, tone of voice, all of that marketing element that needs to be understood so that someone can then understand and execute? But there's lots of nuance to this, I found, in the couple of projects that I'm talking about that you have to think about. But I love that, yes, if you want to, especially if you really don't like something. So for example, bookkeeping, right? I don't mind putting into my QuickBooks solution my invoices and my income. I don't want to put in my expenses. That's not fun. But when I put in my invoices and I see my my monthly income go up, I'm like, woohoo. So I don't there's pieces and I found someone to work with that can do all of the stuff I don't want to do. Yep. And that's exactly so then you don't have that tech frustration. Until I find another issue, like because I'm up in Canada and I have clients in the US, I charge in Canadian dollars and US dollars. Oh, that's fun. Okay, here's an example of a wrinkle where you don't anticipate it, right? I have a product and the way the billing is set up in the marketing automation system, this is where I start to go. One person paid with PayPal, one person paid with Stripe. One person got charged tax, one person didn't. And they're in the same geographic location. And I'm like, oh, how is that? So I'm going to call an expert who set this up in the first place and ask them, why are they different? And when should they be different? And is there a miss there? Because I can't imagine navigating all of the different pieces, right? Exactly. And so, you know, like in that situation, you know, and in most situations, when there is a problem with technology, it is typically because there is a setting. And we look at technology systems that we open up a website, we download something, it's out of the box. We download an app to our phone, we use it out of the box, but we don't ever click on the little waffle menu or you know the three dots or the gear icon to see what you can do for settings. Like for example, you've got this beautiful pink wall behind you and I've got my family room behind you And so I just went into my settings and I blurred my background so that you cannot see that I have (laughs) chaos. What's back there, Kim? What's back there? I'm not showing that. I'm not going to tell. But, you know, that's something that people don't realize that you can do all these changes in the settings. But one of my suggestions is like in that situation, and I'm not sure the reasoning why you have multiple payment options when they're both electronic payments, but my tech solution is to try to keep things as simple as possible and to try to eliminate the choices. Okay. So can I absolutely explain myself there for a moment? (laughs) So I heard that there were a lot of, from different people over the years, and I don't know if this is true anymore, problems with PayPal and some people had a real aversion to using it. So I thought, well, then I'll give them Stripe, even though you can get to a credit card option through PayPal. And now I, like you, I wanted there to be one, one, buy now, here's your only click, fewer chances for breakage in the whole transaction, right? And I think that people are now used to, like, where someone be like, I prefer to write a check. I mean, me personally, still. <laughs> I know, and I receive checks from time to time, but my checkbook, I have had my checkbook since I think 2006. And like, I haven't needed to order checks. And I think I'm still in the first book because I just don't do things that way. But because like, you know, we had this coin shortage here in the States with COVID and, and everything. Oh, because, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. We had a coin shortage because people were not coming into retail and they didn't want to touch money because they didn't know there was contamination and this, that, and the other. And so we had 
a coin surge and many of the registers are retail establishments now do credit or debit only. So somebody who wasn't familiar with it and used cash now, it's now inconvenient Mm. for them to use cash. So they've adapted to the systems that are available. And I think what we have to do is we have to, to manage the expectation of our clients and the end users of it and say, here's what's available and then let them adapt. And then you might get a couple outliers that say, well, can I write you a check? And you're like, sure, you can give me cash too, but here's the most immediate option. And that way you get a receipt right away. And, and technology does that for us. And with all these automations, you know, somebody books through your site, they get an invoice, they pay the invoice, it goes on your calendar, boom, done. Right? Yeah, I've fallen in love with my little hack to do like, here's my Zoom room, zoomwithclaire.com, right? It's like, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. But I was like, okay, she mastered domain. And then of course, you like, because I couldn't remember the numbers all the time. So if you want to book a meeting with me, chat with Claire, if you want to zoom with me, zoom with Claire, I'm like, what else can Brilliant. we do? Brilliant. For 20 bucks a year. I'm like, this is good. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And for my Facebook group, here's another So I created a Facebook group. And if you haven't liked a business page, you can't share the link with someone. You can share it, but it doesn't give them the link. So then you look like a weirdo. Here, click on this link below and then there's no link. That's how I found out the hard way, right? So I created a domain for that. Yeah. So happyspacepod.com takes you to the Facebook group. I'm like, nah, 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 Facebook. <laughs> like, so there are little workarounds where technology can make you feel like you're winning slightly for like a, a millisecond in your day, right? And like what you were saying is that, you know, like people are probably listening to that and hearing you go, wait, wait what did you do? And like, they don't <laughs> realize that you're just paying for the domain. Right. And so you're buying a domain from whatever domain host you choose. And, and my whole thing is, Again, put everything in one place. So if you're using GoDaddy, stick with GoDaddy. If you're using buying domains from Bluehost or somebody or HostGator or somebody, you know, stick with whoever you're buying it from. Don't start with a new one because right. somebody mentioned it because you're going to forget about some renewal somewhere. Or migrate them all. Have a project and migrate them all because I'm in the process of doing that because I found a better priced especially for the domains that are just like wild ideas that might be something one day. Anybody have those? (laughs) Like the 22 domains that I own when the (laughs) bill comes up, I'm like, why am I still paying for 22? Right. And so I'm thinking I can make the pain a little less by migrating those. So it's not quite as painful because the first year is usually a bargain. Right. And then it goes. Right. Right. And you're like, that hurts a little bit where it was like, like, "Do do I really need to pay that extra for the privacy? Right. Oh, well, do you? I do on some of them and then others I kind of slide on. Well, so like what you were saying with those domains, you bought these domains, you paid whatever it is, $20. You probably paid $7.99 or $3.99 for the first year. And all you did was forward that domain to the Facebook page or forward that domain to your Zoom link or whatever it is. And again, like I said, like people are probably hearing that and they're going, wait, what? That would make things a lot easier, but they don't know how to do it. And, you know, that's where they could say, here's my domains, here's where I want them to go. And they could hire someone to log in and forward their domains and just really simplify things. But, you know, there's some people, again, that are not comfortable with that level of technology. And let me, I mean, like we could totally geek out and we're like, well, we're not talking about DNS servers and this, that, and the other, but we're just talking about forwarding a domain. Right. Which makes you look fancy. But you really didn't do that much, right? But I'm like, oh, wow, I feel really fancy when I can send a client my domain for Zoom. 
right here. Just remember this. Just and they can bookmark this. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, you know, tech overwhelm is one thing. Then you, then you have these little wins that kind of keep you, it's like golfing. You hit a good stroke once and you get that good sound off the tee. You keep playing, even though then the other 17 holes were terrible. <laughs> so right. you get a tech win, you stay in the game. So well, and I think there is that goes along with that. Like once you get a win, the wins just keep coming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I am feeling more positive. And I think holding on to your principle of keeping things simple is like a top rule. And yeah, and the same thing, even with choosing technology, right then, because imagine even all the marketing automation system, is it Kajabi? Is it Infusionsoft? Is it like I use Kartra? And that's because it came recommended to me. I think there's in some cases, there's no wrong choice, but it's very nuanced. Even the podcasting platform, right? There's a lot to learn. And you can save a lot of time by by talking to an expert and saying, this is what I want to accomplish. And then having them guide you making the decision. Or I think a lot of times too, the comparison, comparison blog posts where technology is compared with the function list. With the specs. With the with specs, the yeah. Specs. This does this, this doesn't do this, right? And you can kind of more quickly decipher what you want. But yeah, getting to someone who knows is that can save you a lot of time, aggravation, and maybe some money too. Well, and also like what you were saying, everybody can recommend their favorite, but that doesn't mean that it's the best for you. So, you know, there are some people that like McDonald's burgers and there's some people that like Wednesday's burgers. Does that mean one is the best? No, it's one person likes one and one person likes the other. And it might be because, you know, one person likes the way they grill their burgers on a flat thing versus on an open flame. And it might be just people's preferences. And my whole thing is like, you know, like you said, like the marketing automation, whatever. My whole thing is we all have a home base. So we all live in one thing. It's usually like where we read our email and our calendar and our contact system. And whatever it is that we're choosing, whether it's marketing automation, you know, email marketing, whether it's a CRM, whatever it might be, it has to be something that works with your home base. So whatever you're comfortable with, if you're looking to build on that, make sure it integrates with where you are because each time you have to go out of where you are, you're complicating things. And then you're like, this is more steps. Where was I? Do I have that bookmark? This, that, and the other. So if you can stay in your home base and you know, with the Microsoft platform, you can do that. And with the Google platform, you can do that. Once you get into the apps that are come with your phone, you know, whether it's iCal or whether it's the calendar that comes on like a Samsung or a Google phone, once you get into their more proprietary systems, it makes it harder because then you're stuck in that system. And if you're sharing with someone who's outside that system or you choose to change your system at some point, it complicates things. So the more global your system are, the more likely you're going to be able to find these add-on tools to build out your system as well as it's just easier because you can use it on any web-enabled device anywhere. Yeah. It's interesting. I have one client who's in the tech space working for a company with high, high security. And he's like, I've just taken everything off Google. I don't want anything. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't even begin to imagine because for me, it's simplifying my life to a large extent to have things, like you said, connected. So you have some trade-offs. We're not going to get into the privacy. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a whole, there are so many different things we could talk about. But I think one of the, you know, to come back to the point of simplifying 
we kind of collect pet apps and computer software as we go. And we may not be using a lot. What's your sense of what we can do to make sure that what we are making space for on our phones and on our computers and in our operating systems is actually stuff we're using? Do you have any recommendations about how we would audit that and what we would do? Sure. So clearly that's an issue that we download these apps. It used to be when we had smaller memories on our phone, we knew we had to offload some apps when we ran out of space. But now there's larger memories on our phones and our computers and computers come with up to two terabytes of hard drive space or your cloud storage. But now there are like the Apple system and the Google system, they notify you like here are unused apps. Would you like to offload them? Oh, they do? Yeah. So you can offload unused apps and free up space. And on any of your mobile devices, you can go to your settings, okay, and then go into your apps menu. And when you look at your apps menu, you can sort it by size or by when it was last used. So if you go to by last used and you see like, oh, I downloaded this one software that this one webinar was on that I used one time, right? you can remove it. And within that same thought is that way you're removing all these little icons that are on your phone. But I also am a big fan of grouping into folders on phones. And I use the term folders only because that's what we know from a physical folder. Whether it's, it's in a, a bigger box. square, it's just yeah. a square. It's a square with, with a little bunch babies, of in, babies it. in it. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter which system you're using, like whoever the provider is of this, like Apple or Android or whatever. Once you start grouping like apps together, it's like these are productivity apps, these are shopping apps, these are reading apps. So it gives you those categories. It recognizes it through its artificial intelligence, but it minimizes the number of things you have on your screen. So that again, minimizes your distraction and you're not doing the swipe, swipe, looking for the app when number one, it's just easy to find. Or number two, you can just swipe down and get the search bar. So people don't realize, people don't realize that they're, they're busy swiping. And I'm like, just give me that. And I just swipe down and I'm like, what are you looking for? And I just type it in and it comes right up. And they're like, where was it? I was like, I don't know where it is, but here it is. Yes. Yeah. That's how I found the wallet numerous times at the store. When I had to show my membership card, I'm like, I don't know where the wallet is, but W and it comes up. It comes up. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the same way. Like we talk about all the time as, as like organizing and productivity professionals is to have clean space, have some white space, be able to find where things are grouping like items together. It's the same thing with our tech. Except I like to group them by color. Is that not, is that not ideal? Well, so, so all of my financial apps are in a folder in a group and on the Android, you can color the group. So they're all in green. You can color the group Android for the win. And then all of the health apps that I have, whether it's like my health insurance, whether it's my doctor's office app and whatever, they're all in red because that's from the blood flow of your heart. Uh So I group things like all my social stuff is a pink like yours. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So. So Apple get on that. I know. You know, know, there's probably some setting. I have an app that I've loved for years on my computer, which helps me colorize my folders. Because in the Explorer, I'm like, how how can you find everything when it looks like all the same color, right? It becomes cognitively challenging. So I need to color my folders on the computer. So yeah, Colorizer is the app that I- And you you can do that like in Google Drive. You can color your folders as well. 
Okay, Google Drive. I've just started embracing Google Drive because of the podcast, actually, because that's where we house and, and interact. It's so good for interaction, right? Otherwise, it's still on my computer and I use Dropbox. And this is the thing. So, okay, a strategy for all of the cloud stuff that you don't think about. Like, so let's take photographs, for example, or video. You could have iCloud, you could have Google Drive, you could have OneDrive and Dropbox. And so there's all different options. And I have a bunch of these cloud solutions because Dropbox I use for one thing, Google Drive I use for the podcast and so on. So it's, I have found the need to write down a master plan visually for here's my data storage hierarchy, right? Do you suggest that? Because this is very abstract and it's not all like in a picture on your desktop. Right. So I too have multiple cloud storage systems. So like, even if you didn't choose to use Google Drive, somebody could share a file with you from Google Drive and it lives in the shared Google Drive folder, even though you're not using it for storage. You can't escape is what you're saying. Right. You can't yeah. escape. You're in your life. You're going right. to be sucked in somehow. Yeah. But I also use Dropbox. I use Dropbox for all my picture storage. Anytime I take a picture on my iPad, anytime I take a picture on my phone, on my tablet, it all backs up and imports into a folder in Dropbox. So again, that's in a setting saying, I want a backup of all these to go to this folder on Dropbox. And I'm giving those sites permission to do that. And then everything goes there. So all my photos are there in Dropbox. Anything that I do collaboratively, I keep in Google Drive. So it's more like PDF stuff is in Dropbox, like the final product. But the stuff that's in the works and I'm working on with somebody, you know, for example, the form that you guys send out for the podcast to get information, it's a Google Drive form. Yeah. Yeah. We made it. Yeah. Right. So, so <laughs> I could actually, if I wanted to, while I was in there, if you were in there at the same time, I could actually be talking with you through the form. It's through so typing good. Through the form. Yeah. That is it, the collaboration in Google Drive is phenomenal because you don't get sync issues. Correct. Whereas Dropbox, you can get somebody updated and then somebody else updated. And which version do you want to use? And then stick a fork in my eye. No, make right. this go right. But for, I think Google Drive is amazing for real. I've worked on numerous documents with my daughter for high school projects. Here's my editing. Can you see? Like, just, right. Right. I, I mean, I didn't do her homework, just to be clear. But, <laughs> but you can comment on it. And then you also can see versions. So like, you know, let's just say you're working on something and you're, you have a thought and you change something and then you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. What did I say before? But I did it like three days ago, so I can't just hit undo. Yeah. So on Google Drive, you can hit version history and then you can see all the different revisions that you've made and be like, oh, okay, well, I want to change that back and you can, you know, revert it back to your previous so don't write down anything you don't want to be found because it's living there. It is living there. <laughs> right? You got to yeah. be really, yeah, really thoughtful. That is awesome. Yeah. So I think this out of sight, out of mind, how do we, how do we hold on to it? And how do our clients hold on to it? We can play a role in helping them organize, of course, what we can see physically, but this digital organization also definitely needs some help in some cases. And that's where we can come in. And I match, so I, in my Dropbox and in my Google Drive and in my email, everything matches in terms of like the file structure. Mm -hmm. 
So even again, I'm using the term file. They're not necessarily called files in all of them, but I have a file system. It's actually from a book that I read probably in 2008 from a guy named Michael Song, and it's called The Hamster Revolution. That's such a cute title. (laughs) Yeah. And he talks about, and I just actually listened to a webinar of his this morning, but he actually talks about having like four numbered inboxes, like in your inbox, you have like four things. And one is for clients. One is for output. One is for teams and one is for admin. And I added a fifth one that was personal. And so like everything comes in under those files. So, you know, like then I have subfolders under that, but my Dropbox is set up that way. My Google drive is set up that way. And my inbox and Gmail is all set up that way. So whether I'm on my phone or whether I'm on my computer or my tablet, everything is all synced and it's all set up the same way. So I know that if I want the final version of something, I can go into Dropbox and I'll find the final version of a presentation that was under output. Or if I want to go make a copy of it and modify that presentation for a different group, I can go into Google Drive, go under output, go to the presentation, make a copy and edit it and save it for somebody else. Yeah. So you've been rattling off a bunch of things that I was thinking might be the next thing we would talk about, which is, (laughs) well, actually, let me just close off tech audit for one second, because so on the phone, Google will alert you for apps you're not using. What about on your computer? Well, also Apple does that too. Apple does that? Okay. Yes. Yes. So there's two different parts of tech audit. Number one, there's the stuff that you download to your computer, but there's also part of your tech audit is all the things you subscribe to. So how many times did you, you see my face there for <laughs> something <laughs> or, you know, you get your credit card bill and it says Apple $2.99 each month. And you're like, I don't even know what that's for, but I have like four things that I'm being charged $2.99 a month for on Apple. So, you know, now I'm spending whatever it is, $10, $12 on Apple stuff a month. And I don't even know what I'm paying for. So what you, in terms of the tech audit, on your computer of like the stuff you've downloaded and the stuff, your subscriptions that you're paying monthly for once a quarter, go through your credit card and look at your credit card statement and see what is your reoccurring charges and be like, Oh, that was this thing that I signed up for that I'm paying 1299 a month for that I attended one time and it's on automatic renewal. Yeah. You know, I learned the hard way last year, actually, not looking at my credit card statement every month. There was actually some fraud. Somebody had a new iPad. It wasn't me, but there was a big Apple charge on my credit card. And because I had delayed my bookkeeping, because business was a little quiet, like April 2020, May 2020, right? Just a little bit. So I thought, I don't need to do my bookkeeping. I didn't discover the fraud until like September, October when I was doing, so it was October, I was doing Q2 and no Q3. And that's well past the deadline that banks like to to give you because they're underwritten for a certain amount of insurance protection based on timing, right? So definitely looking at the bill every month and maybe, maybe you don't act on it and do the full audit, but you capture and you note in your subscriptions, annual and monthly. So I now have a note to my bookkeeper. These are my monthly charges to expect. And therefore I don't need to also provide her receipts every time because she just knows what that is on the credit card. We're good. But the annual ones too, right? And setting up a reminder in your calendar. That's what I was going to tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, tell me. So yeah. like, for example, I got a reminder today that my fresh books is due to renew on the 17th on Monday. 
So I set my reminder for like five days out, number one, not so that I don't forget to renew it, but, and that's, that's my bookkeeping system. So that is obviously something I'm going to renew, but it also says to me like, okay, whatever it is, a domain name, like the 20 domain names that I have, do I want to keep all 20? Are they all still relevant to me? It gives me time to take a look at that. But for example, like with FreshBooks, now I can go online and be like, oh, okay, is there a coupon code that I could save some money when I renew? Mm-hmm. You know, it gives me some time and I don't just see this charge when the it would get charged on Monday, the 17th. I would see it in June. It would be due in July. So when am I going to look at it? But I know now ahead of time, because I put in my calendar when it renews, it's just one time a year that I have to pay attention to that because it only renews once a year. So, you know, using your calendar, just like you said, to remind you of these things that are coming up. Especially anything that you subscribe for to f- try free and then's going to kick in mm-hmm. on a certain day. Unsubscribe if I don't love X. It's, it's like big. I have a category in my calendar now, which is red. Urgent reminder. Like I cannot go past that thing. I cannot skim by and go, oh, yeah, I have to actually look at it. And the same way that how we do like file naming, like a file convention. If you've got subscriptions for stuff in your calendar, as you're putting it in your calendar, right, subscription, and then put it, you know, when you put it in there, put it on an annual renewal so that you know that you can actually just go to your calendar and hit search and hit subscription. And all those subscription renewal dates will come up. You don't have to be like, well, when does that do? So it's just using a same similar name. I love it. Before we get to the tech tips, I just want to nerd out on one point and get your opinion on file nomenclature. Biggest pet peeve of mine is that businesses that I buy from, whether it's the hydro bill or the telephone or whatever it is, and I've got monthly bills, I want to file them chronologically. I want them to be fileable chronologically by starting with a particular nomenclature, right? What's your feeling on how files should be named and how do you feel like I do that business need to back up the side of the head and they need to learn how to, how to think about serving their clients so they can put them away nicely. And the worst is when you get a thing that you download a bill and it says invoice and you're like, I have to completely rename that. Like who's the invoice from? What was the date on the invoice? So I, my file convention is because I know that we date things differently here in the States than they do in other places. So my file convention is four digit year underscore for the win month underscore day. See, see, I knew it. I knew (laughs) I just, I just knew I could feel we were aligned on that. And I want the world to know, I don't care where you live. This is what should be done because this is the way a computer processes it. Well, and also I am an underscore, not a dash person because it's just cleaner. Yeah. So underscores for the same thing, dash, if it's the next, like a phrase, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. I feel so good. We're connecting here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, so if we could just get everybody to align out there, just, you know, write to all your vendors, tell them I've actually reached out to the, one of the banks and tried to have a conversation with them about this. So I'm like, you don't understand the grief you're causing that you could just And so, you know, when we're working with clients too, one of the things we can do is generously name things. So you don't send your invoice out with their name on it alone. You send it with their name and your company name because they get all kinds of invoices 
potentially with just their name, right? So it's thinking downstream of the uses. Okay, before we wrap, any tech, hot tech things that, and I don't care what sphere it is, like what do we need to know about that's just lit up your world lately? Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and it's going to be more from a minimalist anti-tech point of view. Just because something is new and hot does not mean you need to embrace it. So say, for example, the new hot social media tool is Clubhouse. They've already alienated a group of people because they are Apple only. So I do have an iPad that does have Clubhouse. I went on it once and I I was like, this is kind of cool, but I'm not quite sure where my energy falls with this. And for another example, I know I'm not the appropriate demographic, although I do know people that are my age or older that are doing fantastic things with TikTok. One of our last podcasts was TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Right. However, so I said to somebody and they also said, well, I'm not the right demographic for TikTok. And I said, if you want to watch the funny videos or get the cool hot cooking tips or get the baked feta pasta recipes and all that kind of stuff go into Instagram that you're already using and right? go to reels and just watch the reels. Cause it's all the TikTok videos. It is. It totally is. Yeah. I, so I feel less culturally illiterate because of that. <laughs> just Right. Well, and yeah. then I don't have TikTok and clubhouse and all these things. And to that respect with any of these things, turn off the notifications on your phone, turn off the audible notifications on your phone. Like before we got on the phone, or on Zoom, I turned off all the notifications on my computer and I, my phone is on, but I even turned off vibrate. So the only notifications I get on my phone that make any sort of vibration or noises are appointment reminders and phone or texts. None of my apps give me any notifications. I have to choose. And actually I, I share with you one of my favorite quotes and I'll share with everyone in a second, but I choose when I want to be interrupted and want to give somebody my time. That's right. So can I share that quote? Yes, please do. Okay. It's by Jake Knapp, who wrote the book, Make Time. And I listen to a ton of books, audiobooks. And I say I listen to because I got corrected that I'm not actually reading. But his quote from that book is, every time you check your email or another message service, you're basically saying, does any random person need my time right now? Say that one more time then. Every time you check your email or another message service, you're basically saying, does any random person need my time right now? Mm -hmm. So you're giving up your time to some random person that might be sending you something at that time. Because your brain wants a little bit of hit of novelty and dopamine and maybe, maybe it's fun. This is what we thrive on, this sense of it. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So that was Jake Knapp. K-N-A-P-P. Okay, cool. Yeah. Love that. So you have to own your time. Like with the technology, you have to make a conscious decision that you're going to own your time and you're going to block out time. Like you were saying that that learning that you were doing, block out that time that I'm going to spend on this learning. Yeah. You're going to love, there's an upcoming podcast with Nir Eyal who wrote Indistractable. Uh Do you love them? Yeah. Yep. I listened to that. Exactly. So, oh, to that point, we'll close with this. My listening apps are in my read folder. So, you know, it gets a bit like you can get twitchy about that if you want, but that's where they are because I think books it's a book. are there. It's a book. It's a book. However, I want to eat it or listen right. to it or whatever I want to do with the book. Right. It's, it's a book. 
All right. Kim Oser, what a treat. I hope you all in this conversation found some things to bite into. The tech audit, how not to be overwhelmed, how to simplify your technology, and of course, some wonderful wizardry of things that you can do to simplify and, and just, you know, feel like you're winning the war on tech, maybe. And I love your, you know, your your hot tech tip is to maybe not opt in if you don't need to, or find a way to, to opt in within your own ecosystem of tech, which is brilliant. Kim, what a treat to have you. I have to make myself end this interview now because it's, I could, I, I, this wasn't my Claire's one-on-one -on -one with Kim to answer all of the tech questions. So. <laughs> we'll schedule that for another time. Oh, that, that would be awesome. So I hope you all out there had fun with this one. I hope you'll tune in again next time. Drop us a review. This is really, you know, it's interesting creating a podcast. You put it out in the world and we know that we've got thousands of downloads every month, but we don't hear a lot back and we'd love to hear from you. What did you like? What would you like to hear about? We're in all the social places. So please leave a review or share a question. We'll be definitely happy to respond. And who knows, you might find the topic of interest of your choice might show up in a future episode. So definitely check us out on napopodcast.com. You'll find all the places to listen. And of course, the YouTube channel, which is Napo HQ. You'll find the whole playlist of all the podcasts that I've been doing recently. We've put them there in video as well. So you can see how gorgeous Kim looks today. And sometimes we've shown visuals that they're there. And of course, there's always a bonus question. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I hope that you'll be tuning into the YouTube channel as well. It's always at the end of the episode. So that's it for today's episode. I want to wish you as always that you will stay safe that you will be kind to yourself and that you will enjoy your journey. Until next time, take care all. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.